Hi everyone, welcome to Zoomies, your dog podcast. I'm Adriana Milne, your local dog trainer from Pet Pals Dog Training. And thank you for joining me this afternoon on Radio Karen. Today we have the pleasure to welcome in our studio at Radio Karen our first guest ever. So welcome to Sandra Bader from Paws for Paws. And she'll be joining today and um, her business specializes in canine myotherapy um, and she has done studies in diploma in shiatsu and acupressure, certificate in therapeutic massage. And Sarah's got as well, Sandra, PhD in anthropology. And she's currently studying certificate four in veterinary nurse. So welcome, Sandra. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very well. How are <laughs> a you? A pleasure. A great pleasure. We know each other. We've met before. We uh, have. We before have, the COVID. Indeed. And it's been That's so right. much in our lives since. That is incredible. So I just wanted you to introduce a little bit yourself, talk about your businesses, the service you actually offer the clients, the areas that you cover. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Not a problem. So, yeah, as you has, have introduced myself, so I'm a canine massage um, slash myotherapist and rehab practitioner. I've been doing it for the last eight years. Um, I absolutely love dogs. So, as you have explained, I am also an anthropologist, um, but I needed a career change about... 10 years ago or so and yes, <laughs> because I, I love dogs feeling. so I ended up working with dogs and it's, it, you know I'm not looking back um so yeah where to start I mean um I work with dogs so I guess there are three parts to my business one is preventative um one is um post-surgery and the other one is musculoskeletal so anything to do with um, muscles and joints mm -hmm. um, with conditions for example like arthritis or hip dysplasia or elbow dysplasia and so on um, and yeah I've been doing it for eight years I do house visits so I go to my clients homes I service most of Melbourne um, I have someone working for me as well Great. so we are um, sharing Uh, I guess areas, mm -hmm. service areas in in Melbourne. So I personally go all the way to St Kilda. Wow, he's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, St Kilda to uh, Mornington mm -hmm. and up to Ringwood. But I have certain days um, I work in a particular area, yes. so I don't It's drive. You know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Mondays I'm in the Bayside, um, <laughs> Kingston area. Tuesdays I'm somewhere else, and so yeah. on. That's a great way yeah. to arrange. And then. Um, Talking about the prevention that mm -hmm. I was very interested when I saw on your website, uh, which type of prevention uh, would you try to recommend to pet owners in mm -hmm. the preventative things so yeah, they don't, yeah. uh, don't develop injuries, the adults? Yeah. So I guess, you know, it's similar to us. I mean, if we, you know, keep fit, if we keep a healthy weight, so weight management is, you know, one of the main things really. Um, if we keep a healthy weight, if we eat healthily, if we... Um, exercise so if we keep fit mm -hmm. yeah especially strength training mm -hmm. we can prevent injuries and it's the same with dogs as well in particular because we treat our dogs often like athletes so we take <laughs> them to the park we throw the ball and yeah. you know it's it's um you know 100 propulsion out yes. from from zero to mm -hmm. 100 jumping twisting turning That's you know it. heartbreaking there's a lot of load on those joints mm -hmm. and We need good muscle strength to support that. So um, a lot of injuries happen in the park. Mm. Um, yep. 
But also, you know, at home, um, I talk to my clients about flooring. What do, what do your floors look like? So slippery tiles or floorboards are not great, mm-hmm. um, especially when there's a joint issue mm-hmm. or especially when there's an injury. But if we talk about prevention, you know, playing ball on slippery surfaces in the house is probably Gee. not ideal. No. Um, and I guess, you know, when your dog becomes older, it's it's about how does the dog get in and out of the car, mm-hmm. on and off the couch and the bed and so on. So there's there's heaps we can do with mm-hmm. our dogs. And can I ask, in regards to the surfacing, if a house got a lot of floorboards or um, ceramic tiles and you've got a senior dog, would you what would you recommend? Put carpet mm-hmm. rugs uh, <laughs> to try to... <laughs> Look, ideally, yeah, we would carpet the whole place, yes. but I understand that yeah, we in sections, don't so. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we have beautiful floorboards, we're not going to mm-hmm. you know, put rugs over. everywhere. <laughs> but... Um, well, there, there are several options. So I guess um, the highway where your dog goes mostly to, I guess, you know, the doorbell rings, the mm-hmm. door rushes to the yeah. door, that would be a highway. I would consider it a highway. So putting maybe a runner down there, mm-hmm. um, I guess the kitchen area where, yeah. you know, food is around. Yeah, they get very excitable um, exactly. preparation times. Where, especially where they get on and off furniture. So mm-hmm. getting onto and off furniture. Um, Good so they want to... Um, you know, land on non-slippery mm. surface. Yep. Um, but the other options, booties, mm. yeah, dog booties. So mm-hmm. especially, <laughs> I know, I know, it's it's a bit funny. But um, a lot of my clients actually wear booties yep. because I recommend them because it's it's a bit, you know, it's a tricky kind of thing. You you don't want to cover your floor everywhere, no. <laughs> but. Um, even if you do, there are still areas where it's not covered, and sometimes that's even worse. You mm-hmm. know, when you, when your dog runs in the house, yep. you know, starts from a a, um, a stable surface surface and then ends mm-hmm. up on the floor on the floorboards. Yeah, so. and in regards to the weather, the cooler weather coming up now. Mm-hmm. So say someone work outdoors. The, um, outdoor, like a busy day at work and then come home the dog just being laying around a bit of access to the backyard but just moderate stretches and exercise so what would you recommend if the client just intends to load the dog in the car and take straight to the dog park mm. should they do gentle stretch exercise with the dog first um, no I wouldn't recommend yeah. stretching because yeah. um, in in my therapy mm-hmm. sessions as well you don't go straight into stretching so no. you warm up a muscle yeah, and that's when you stretch exactly okay. So I wouldn't recommend – and stretching in itself, I mean, if, if a owner, dog owner doesn't understand doesn't know, where them. to stop. So there's there's something called end feel. So yep. you take a joint or, you know, to Out a certain place. point it's called end feel and then you go a bit further. Mm-hmm. That's a stretch. But okay. if you're overstretched and you risk injury. So I personally wouldn't recommend stretching if, if the person hasn't been taught how to do yes. it. But just a warm-up. Mm-hmm. So just maybe walk to the park instead of driving to the park. Yes. So that's a warm-up as well. Um, or maybe even jogging, like mm-hmm. the dog trotting, you mm-hmm. know, just five minutes of trotting is already Gentle, a warm-up. Yeah, yeah, until he gets there. Yeah. Because um, I take my uh, Kelly to a, a park, not the care to another one, uh, and the amount of uh, the reports, it's so many dogs getting injured because they go mm. full blast one mm. hour into the ball running mm. with the other dogs without mm. recalls, without play and settle, mm. you know, and that's been mm. some to the point they do injury and tear ligaments and are having surgery. That's really yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah, I think warming up is a big, a big one. But the other thing is also strength training. So mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, I mentioned earlier we treat our dog, dogs like athletes, but mm-hmm. at home they're couch potatoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess if we wanna um, go to the park and throw the ball, maybe throw in some strength training as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Such as? Such as. I mean, I don't want to <laughs> strength, get, train. strength training. Getting yeah. out and workouts at yeah, the gym. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a doggy fitness gym. I mean, there are fitness trainers out there. I mean, I do strength training for dogs that have um, conditions like arthritis, hip dysplasia, mm-hmm. because they lose muscle mass. But you can apply similar exercises to a healthy dog. But I, you know... Um, you kind of have to be careful because if there's a condition, you can, can also make things work. But worse, but if your dog is healthy, you know, s- things like sit stand, for example, mm-hmm. um, is equivalent kind of to our squats. Yeah, yeah. Sit so sit stand or Let's down stand. That's yeah, it's yeah. great. Hill walking, hill walking is fantastic for height and strength. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to go just for a short break. And we will be back in a second after the station announcements. You are listening to Radio Karen. Oi, 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 oi. IGA, it's shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA, for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. Hi, everyone. We welcome back. So you're listening to Zoomies, your dog podcast on Radio Karen. And I'm Adriana Milne. And we are here today with Sandra Bader from Paws for Paws. So continuing our chat today, I wanted to ask Sandra about senior dogs. Mm-hmm. So how would you um, approach uh, treatment? Do you get contacted a lot by pet owners who mm. just got some issues with senior dogs, mm. sometimes uh, rehabilitation from mm-hmm. previous injury or even surgery, mm-hmm. or just, um, I guess, massage and all the, mm. the arthritis problems that they can develop with age. And, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. I, I would say that the bulk of my clients, my doggy clients are senior dogs, um, and most have some sort of, you know, arthritis, um, um, stiffness, tightness, tension due to old age. So, yeah, um, I guess, what exactly what the, was the question again? <laughs> was in regards to senior dogs, because yeah. um, there are so many, like in my street, for example, I've got two cases, two how, senior yeah. dogs. How can I help them? Or is that? Yes, how yeah. can you help you? And do you get called a lot for this sort of help? Do they, because yeah. if you go to the vet, sometimes they might um, end up on some catrophin or, you know. Pentosan, I mean, in those cases, I had horses, I tried to use Pentosan equine for my horse monthly. Yep. And um, and there's other powders and supplements that some vets recommend to be mixed. And um, because I did a lot of previous become specialized in dog training, a lot of pets in dog walking, and there's mm, some mm, dogs mm. that the clients do nothing and the poor little things, like mm. degeneration is just so severe, mm, mm, like mm, I've got nearby. Mm, uh, yeah, they're really struggling. Yeah. And they're not even 12. One is a golden retriever, one is a cavudo, and they're really struggling yeah, even to yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So. so I guess it's, um, we call it a multimodal approach, mm-hmm. yeah? So I mentioned earlier already, you know, what the home looks like. So that's that's one, the home environment, um, what that looks like. I talked to the owner about the other thing is vet care. So sometimes mm-hmm. I do send my, my clients back to the vet. So if yep. a dog is in pain, so if I realize if they get me in and I see, okay, this dog is in pain, we need to manage pain first mm-hmm. before I can treat them. And especially because before we can do any strength training or, mm-hmm. or rehab type exercise, therapeutic exercises, because I don't work with dogs in pain. Mm-hmm. We don't want to push no. them through pain. Absolutely. So so if pain is controlled, so if they're put on some anti-inflammatories mm-hmm. or, you know, catrophin or mm-hmm. pentosan or something like that, um, or even stronger pain medication, and then I'll come back and we can do um, more strength training. So it's kind of like this vicious cycle. So, for example, let's take one condition. One condition is arthritis. Yeah. So what, what happens with arthritis is because the joints 
a bit painful, they're achy, mm-hmm. they don't use, you know, that part of their body mm-hmm. as much anymore. So in the long run, they will lose muscle mass, but mm-hmm. we need the muscle mass to support our joints, mm-hmm. right? So we want to break that cycle. And we break that cycle with, you know, getting um, pain under control. And once pain is under control, we can actually start building up that muscle mm-hmm. mass again. And some clients can even come off the um, non-steroid, non-steroidal um, mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories at some point because they get stronger and, and healthier, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like this um, complementary um, part to vet care. So it's not a substitute to vet care. So I never, you know, recommend to clients not to go to their vet. It's no, I work definitely. with vets. Um, I refer to vets. Vets refer Vice to versa. me. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. And uh, in regards to uh, dog rehabilitation, um, like uh, hip replacement, uh, the cranial cushion ligament, ACL injuries, and um, how would you go about sort of the, mm. the things that you work with and the recommendations? Look, there are different schools do. of thoughts about it, <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess in human rehab and medicine when um you know a human gets uh, an acl repair the cruciate ligament in dogs is similar to the acl in the mm-hmm. human um we don't you know sit, lie in bed for six weeks that's quite old-fashioned we used to do that and that's when <laughs> we do. use a lot of muscle mass so in the rehab world with dogs we want to start rehab as soon as possible. And that means, for example, just a few passive range of motion exercises. So Mm. nothing like super intense in the first few weeks, but getting that joint moving. So just resting for too long is not necessarily a good thing. But as I said, there are different schools of thought about it. Mm -hmm. So from a physical therapy point of view, we want to start early to get that joint moving and then build strength again over time yeah mm, that's fantastic mm. and at which stage um, in the case of hip replacement elbow replacement and the ones that are coming back from surgery that's so bad they have to have surgery so do they have to have small periods of rest or they can start as well this process yeah yeah look depends um, on the case of how it, severe, it depends exactly yeah. it's 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 really hard to say you know mm. oh, there's no one size one fits case all case by case yeah exactly yes. um but as i said you know very, very um, moderate rehab type exercises like passive range of motion exercise. So just taking that joint, joint mm-hmm. a little bit through its not potential range of motion, but just a little bit moving moving the joint is already one type of rehab exercise. So that's probably what you would start with. But it also depends on, you know, how acute the inflammation is and how how um, quickly the swelling and inflammation goes down. And mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, you can't, I can't give you a proper yes, answer, no, but no, you, yeah, we want to start as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And um, I was wanting to ask you about limb amputation. Have you had some yeah, <laughs> yeah. serious cases and yeah. uh, how do they adapt, you know, to be <laughs> like I mean, little feet? Yeah, the smaller the dog, the, the easier to the adapt. Easier, because the sure. amount of weight. Yeah, yeah less weight, exactly. And I guess also depending on how fit the dog was previously. Mm, so yes. the younger dogs often adapt e- mm-hmm. more easily than older dogs. Um, how fit the dog is, you know, yep. how much training, you know, strength training, doggy yes, fitness I was talking about earlier right. has been done. So, yeah, it's it's again a case, case by case um, mm-hmm. uh, thing, really, yeah. Okay. So we are going to go to another short break and we'll be right back with you and you're listening to Radio Karen. 
Do you have a tween who's driving you crazy on the socials? Is it a secure place for them to be? What should your social time look like? Are they just copying you? For answers to all these questions, join me, Claire Martin, at 4pm Tuesdays on Radio Karam on the Strong, Single and Human show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us at Zoomies, your podcast on Radio Karam. And we are back now with Sandra Bader from Pause for Pause. Sandra, what would you like to, to talk and share with us now from your uh, highly experienced <laughs> journey? <laughs> Um, well, I guess we haven't really talked about muscles quite yet. So that's a big part of what I do. So massaging or hands-on manual therapy. So, I, I, you know, taking case study again. So if a dog has arthritis, for example, let's say a dog has arthritis in, in his hips mm-hmm. or her hips, um, often what happens is they start compensating with, an, with another body part. Mm-hmm. So that would be the front. And dogs carry around um, 60% of their weight in the front anyways. So what happens is they get really tight and stiff in the front. And if that is happening over a certain period of time, then um, they might become lame. So I'll, you know, make sure that um, they're not, you know, painful in the first place, but then also working out tension, trigger points, spasms. Um, So, yeah. No, that's great. And I was going to ask, um, I saw your dog, uh, how do you pronounce, Cheeto? Cheeto. Cheeto. So can you tell a bit about the journey, um, the breed of Cheeto, his age, and how he's been for you, how mm. the, the things you live with, throughout with him? So Cheeto is um, 13 and a half now, um, so he's an old man. Um, <laughs> Cheeto has lumbosacral disease, so that's a, a neurological issue. Um, but because I realized fairly early... Um, that there is an issue and we diagnosed it early enough. Um, I've done a lot of, you know, rehab type exercise with him. So he's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't notice. Um, he's, you know, he has his limitations for sure, but we still go on five, six K walks wow. together. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's no, fantastic at his age because he's, he's a 12 and a half, yeah? 13 and a half 13 by now. And a half yeah, by yeah, now. yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah so that's incredible. Great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, main thing is keeping his weight down, mm-hmm. knowing his limitations. So um, swimming, for example, is not great for him. So no. usually swimming is great. And mm. for, for most dogs, it's fantastic. Yeah. But for a dog with lumbosacral disease, putting that lumbosacral joint into extension is bad. That causes pain mm-hmm. and flare-ups. And um, that happens when you put a dog into a pool. So I'm not talking about hydrotherapy. Mm-hmm. Hydrotherapy is great because they still have the, their feet on the ground. But in a pool, when they're buoyant, mm-hmm. yeah, that lumbosacral joint is put into extension. So that's wow. that's not good for him. So knowing that and jumping in in and out of the car, for example, we, we don't do that anymore. I have a ramp, a ramp and he yeah. has stairs onto the bed and stuff like that. So, And we do a lot of strength training at home. So, Which yeah. type of strength training do you do at home? Well, like I explained earlier, yeah. there's okay. certain there's certain exercises for him will be yeah, beneficial. Exactly that would, that work for him. Other mm-hmm. exercises don't work for him. Okay. So there's a there's a particular program that works for him that we okay. do at home. Yeah. I wanted to ask you something else about acupressure. So mm. how does acupressure work? I find it very interesting. <laughs> mm, yeah. So that's that's. Um, that's uh, I yeah I did a diploma in um, shiatsu which is based on basically traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. so it works on meridians and it works on 
more or less energy. So they call it the chi in the body. Mm -hmm. Most people are familiar with the idea of chi. And it works on blockages um, and, and, you know, things like dampness. And um, so working on certain points have... Um, or pressing on certain points. It's a bit it's similar to acupuncture, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the acupuncture works with uh, meridians as well, and with certain points in the body, um, you can affect certain outcomes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can release blockages, or you can you know work on inflammation. You can work on um, dampness in the body. You can work on what is well, how would you throw dampness in the body? Dampness. <laughs> that's a new so, terminology yeah, I've never heard. So yeah. that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not it's 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 probably yeah, so certain things uh, like wind or dampness you oh, probably okay. can't mm -hmm. really translate um, mm. word okay. for word, you know, <laughs> so wind is not really like the wind going and it's more like the effect of what it um, gosh, how should I explain this? No, I'm sorry, no, if you, if you can't, that's okay, because yeah, I've yeah, used yeah. a naturopath for 35 years and you I've were? done. No, no, I oh. have used. I have oh, used oh, a, a okay. naturopath. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I actually did um, quite a bit of acupuncture because I had shoulder injury, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, from yeah, tearing yeah. away. And uh, that part I know in the cupping, and, but acupressure a little bit, mm. but the, the, the terminology so dampness. There, yeah, uh, that's just one, one, one thing. One so I, th I guess for my, what I'm doing in my, um, practice are probably um so that's what i explained was more like the the kind of overall okay. um mm -hmm. but what i i work with points that work on arthritis for example okay. so there are points that work on joint issues or mm -hmm. inflammation in the joint so that's i use certain points for certain conditions yeah okay that's sensational so what is moving on? Like, have you because I noticed that you're doing a certificate for veterinary nursing. Mm. So uh, you're not going to be a vet nurse, no, because you're no. so busy the way it is, and now we no, acknowledge. But be it must be a reason behind it to understand more about. That's the, right. That's right. So um, I well, first of all, I mean, I'm I'm a continuous learner. Mm, so sensational. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best. I think I always will <laughs> Never do enough. some course, <laughs> and I think especially in the industry that I'm in, or you know, anything to do with body work or human medicine, I think we, we have to keep up with the latest mm -hmm. research. So just being part of like, a, I guess, vet team um, is important. So I'm learning a lot. I'm not gonna, you know, be a vet nurse. Um, but it also gave me a and that was really the main reason it gave me it's a springboard for mm -hmm. me to do a degree in or another another course, course. in canine rehab at the University Wonderful. of Tennessee. So the prerequisite to, was to be a vet or a vet nurse to oh, get into yeah, that course. Makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah. So and I really wanted to do that wow. course because so, it's like one of the best, the best in the world. The so best. there's no not even close an equivalent in Australia from such course. You don't have here. It has to be in the US. It no. no there's no, there's so, nothing. I mean there is. Um, so anywhere in the world, like anyone can do it in the world, mm -hmm. and you can you know. Uh, do it in the states and then you have your practicals all over mm -hmm. the world so it's kind of it's a very kind of um you know popular course mm -hmm. that that vets and vet nurses do and because so many people do it they have practicals all over the world so it's it's kind of like the central point is the university of tennessee mm -hmm. but okay. we do have our practicals in in um australia Okay, yeah. thank you. So we are going to go for another short break and we'll be back really shortly after the radio announcements. And you're listening to Radio Karen.
called TAD to remodel my place. Said I wanted it to be that kind of place. Knee deep in the Renault, sinking in our fight. Other shonky builders waking me up at night. And Adam plays the boss man. He listens to the customer. Don't you remember? He built this kitchen. He built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. We built this kitchen. We built this kitchen with TAD. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Radio Karen. So just continue our chat with Sandra Bader. Uh, Sandra, I just wanted to ask you, how did you find like coming from Germany to Australia? Like um, in sense, like, how do Australians compare the way they treat their dogs, the, how they look after their dogs? And how did you decide to do the transition to the, the, this field? Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Like just yeah. a bit of from your background and experiences, because I'm from Brazil, so the way Brazilians treat dogs and you know yep. the rules are it's so different than yeah. here. There's yeah. not even dog of leash parks. So yeah. like just trying to talk to foreigners living in Australia and just chatting, bouncing a bit ideas yeah. about you know yeah. pet ownership and dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I guess in Germany, dogs are a bit more integrated into day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. So you can bring a dog to a cafe and, I mean, you can bring him here to a cafe as well outside, but not inside. Not so inside, yes. You do, um, some cafes allow dogs inside in Germany. Um, you even see dogs in malls sometimes and we're not talking about therapy dogs, mm -hmm. just normal pet dogs. So um, I guess that's, that's one of the main differences. And the other thing is also... What I realized when I got here, and this might have changed because I've been here 15 years or 16 years now, but um, at least 15 years ago, um, we didn't desex mm, dogs as me. much as um, yeah, yeah, yeah. dogs are being desexed in Australia. And mm. I understand, you know, the um, the objective behind it, of course. Um, but in Germany, I guess if you're a responsible dog owner. Um, And uh, breeding is regulated. Uh, potentially, mm -hmm. that you know could work. Um, yeah. So I, gu I guess these, these are the, the two main differences. And desexing, I mean, that's maybe something we can talk about. Um, what might be of interest to our listeners mm -hmm. is um, oh yes, for sure. Please yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it is already changing. So I guess 10, 15, 20 years ago, we desexed dogs here um, at, you know, sometimes the age of eight or 10 weeks, like mm. first thing. Incredible. Yeah, Too exactly. Early. And there's more and more research coming out now that shows that too early desexing um, has an impact on joint health, has mm -hmm. an impact oh, on lig ligament health, um, mm. um, obesity and so on. So um, most vets don't desex before six months these days, yeah. but even that is probably still a little bit early. Mm -hmm. So um, ideally, you know, you want to have your dog fully grown because the sex horm hormone that mm -hmm. you cut off by desexing is also the growth hormone. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, desexing is not necessarily a bad thing, but I guess what I would like to see more is that dog owners wait until their dogs are fully uh, matured. 
yeah, physically. It yeah. comes to the council's regulation as well, so it's a bit tricky unless they've got, a, as far as I know, a veterinarian letter, you know, saying that the dog is recommended to be sex later on. The, the council wants 12 mm. weeks, and uh, or they part of Dogs Victoria, mm. you know, like mm. a registered yeah, there's, a, there's still a little bit of um, education Absolutely. that has to yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. So my got to sex to seven months, but uh, I wish I had waited a bit longer, an English Crocker Spaniel. Part of the reason is that um, our wedding anniversary was coming up and it, I couldn't put her anywhere because if she was about to become on heat and that was mm. a tricky thing. Um, yeah, it depends. Like each private situation, family situation is different. My husband didn't want anyone staying in the home, you know, mm. looking after. Mm. And you're going away because I... I have spoken to the breeder and she ideally wanted even longer, closer mm. to two years of age. You know? That's right. Yeah. Breeders are actually um, fairly up to date there, which is fantastic. So breeders understand that mm. dogs shouldn't be desexed too early. Yeah. yeah. And I went well, apart from that the stitches, I actually mentioned the other time uh, on the last show, I think, that the stitches didn't come out straight away. So we have to go back to the vet and mm-hmm. just, she was poking, poking <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I, but it wasn't major, and I was just okay. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, one of the first clients that I had, Arno, he was actually from a German family, a husband and wife working in Australia, and he was sensational. He was a poor bred German shepherd and um, being trained in search and rescue on the Black mm-hmm. Forest in Germany. Okay. He was so clever. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget when Krista, his owner, um, Obviously, she had a baby and brought the baby back from the hospital. Arno mm-hmm. went to pick a little toy and just very kindly just placed beside the, you know, the little couch. And mm-hmm. it was just such a gentle soul. And mm-hmm. he was so intelligent. Very um, intelligent. They breed. did the right thing. Yeah. And they used to exercise a lot. And I used those days I used to do the dog walk and help mm-hmm. them. Uh, but he'll thrive on work. And every time I left, I have to leave things for him to do. Mm-hmm. He used to go to the beach on the sand dunes. I was doing treasure hunts for him. He always yeah, on the go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just well, how much I'm missing. When I did the, the small groups, I couldn't believe that he was okay with any breeds, including Chihuahuas. Mm, the Chihuahuas mm. would, in the beginning, I thought, well, no, it was, she said, it's okay, Adriana. So, mm. Are you sure? <laughs> Even almost climb on Anno, a couple mm. of Chihuahuas that I had, couldn't care less. Like, mm. just such a gentle soul. The only scenarios was when he was um, in close contact with another entire male. Yeah, right. Would, yeah. Like many times yeah. happen. Mm. Yeah, no, that, uh, I think we are coming towards the end. Would there anything else you'd like to mention before we finish for today? Or um, I guess just um, to our what, yeah, pet owners out there. Yeah, what just came to mind in terms of um, you know old senior dogs and mm-hmm. and helping them you know through their joint pain and so. Um, what I see a lot is that my clients say, oh, you know, I don't walk him that much anymore because, mm. you know, he has arthritis and, he's, his, you know, he can't do the hour walk anymore. Um, so especially with arthritis, it's important that we have exercise but not too much. So we're going to have to find that fine line between too much and too little, yeah, yeah because too little then again means loss of muscle mass and mm-hmm. more pain. So often you see stiffness after prolonged rest, yeah. So we want to have a lot of small um, kind of periods of exercise. So, you know, a lot of people working from at home these days. So ideally we want to take out our dog three to four times a day. And even if it's just for five-minute walks, Mm -hmm. that's a lot more valuable than having one long walk Mm -hmm. at the end of the day 
which you know often Short ones. Yeah. yeah keep warming the muscle exactly. throughout the, especially in the cold weather isn't it mm-hmm. and uh, obviously the um, a waterproof jacket because you can be walking suddenly you know can just the sky open <laughs> but mm-hmm. rain mm-hmm. and what would you do um, in that situation like little boots or something for if the dog is older and could sleep on some areas I don't know would you is there any walking boots? Like I've seen oh. in very cold countries, like in the Arctic, yeah. <laughs> Scandinavian oh, I countries. I don't think it gets too cold here. <laughs> no, no, nothing that, close that to that. Dogs have to wear boots because of, um, you know, don't have cold snow. Or snow, <laughs> no. no. I, um, I do have some clients that wear booties basically, you know, 24-7, obviously oh, right. with, with a few intervals of, um, you know, breaks. But um, that's more in terms of stability and generally outside, you know, we don't have slippery surfaces. Mm. So generally dogs are more comfortable and stable outside than in our home, yes. unfortunately, which is very, very yeah. sad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so booties, I, I mostly recommend the booties for at home, at home. for slippery, slippery flooring. Mm. And I've have a few clients that wear them outside there, but they're very immobile dogs. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just another thing. So thank you so much, Sandra, for joining us today. No it's been Thanks so informative. My pleasure. And um, we've reached the end of the show now. So thank you for listening to our podcast Zoomies today. And on our next show, um, we I'll be chatting with you by myself, and then on the trying to do every fortnight a guest speaker to come, and sometimes we're gonna, you know, do a, a bridge a connection with them via our mobile call. So I've learned how to do this like last yesterday actually <laughs> It was a bit challenging, but I managed. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, just any doubts or anything you'd like us to cover on our program, you just send us an email. There can be two email addresses, info at pet-pals.net.au or info at radiocaron.org. And have a great uh, weekend with your dogs, and we're looking forward to meeting you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.